Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of James by looking at James chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you were a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. As James writes this section, he's continuing a contrast of worldly wisdom versus heavenly wisdom. Here, in this particular section, he's looking at how the world plans for the future versus how God's people plan for the future. Some people make their own plans for the future. They sit down and contemplate what they want the outcomes to be and make a list of steps they need to take to achieve those outcomes. But what they get and how they get there are all of their own devices. Once they come up with their plan, they may ask God to bless it, but they've decided what they want out of life, out of each day, and they're determined to find a way to make it happen. But James reminds us, we really don't know the first thing about tomorrow. We don't know about the future. We don't fully understand what we will be like and whether or not the thing we desire will fit into the kind of person we become. We don't fully understand the character of our life apart from God. We don't know all of the variables that will contribute to the outcome. We can certainly anticipate some of them, maybe even some of the biggest ones, and work a plan that gets us around those obstacles and still gets us what we want. We may find ways to manipulate or coerce people or situations so that we get the desired outcome. But we really don't know what effect that outcome will have on us. We don't know the collateral damage that we caused in our effort to get what we wanted. We certainly don't know how the future choices of others will affect us. Most of the time when we make a plan, it's contingent upon the people around us acting a certain way, making certain choices, having certain attitudes. If any of those people choose to go a different way, it can affect whether or not we get what we want. And of course, as James says, we don't even know if there will be a tomorrow. So James is encouraging his readers here, reminding them that life is short. And because of that, they should be doing important things. He says, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. We need to understand when James says this, this is a bigger statement than if the world doesn't come to an end, I'm going to do what I want to do. James is talking about making plans with God. 
If you want your plans for the future to pay off, to be significant, to add significantly to your quality of life and your preparation for eternity, then you need to start by making your plans with God. This is more than just asking God for permission. This is dealing with sorting out the difference between our plans and God's plans and being able to discern if this is something the Lord wants me to do, being able to discern if this is consistent with God's plan. Is this what God has intended for me? Maybe another way of saying it is, if the Lord finds pleasure in it, I will do it. If the Lord is not going to be pleased with this, if he is not going to find pleasure, if it's not going to promote his will, then I'm not going to participate in that. I'm not going to do it. We should plan to do whatever God wants done. That can be very difficult for us to accept sometimes. It's hard for us to imagine in every case that the thing that is going to fill my longing or desire is what God wants me to do rather than what I imagine myself, what I've seen in the lives of others. And it looks pleasurable. It looks exciting. And I've convinced myself that I want that as well. Specifically here, James is talking about going and making a profit, going and finding ways to make money, being preoccupied with getting rich. James reminds his readers they first need to ask, is it God's desire for me to go and make a profit? So James says, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Even that phrase, we will live, I think we tend to take as if we're still alive. And somehow, if we're still living and there are no obstacles in our way, that that must be God's permission for us to do the thing we want to do. But it may be that James intends this to be a contrast to making a profit. In the first couple of verses, he says some people are deciding they are going to go and take certain actions so that they can get rich. Here he's saying what you need to do is figure out what the Lord has decided so that you can really live. And life is more than making a profit. If you want to enjoy the real life, do what the Lord wills as you go about doing this or that. Remember what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. He says, for me to live is Christ to die is gain. To be alive for the Christian means to let Christ live in us, to humbly submit ourselves to the Lord and live for him. We're really alive when we do the Lord's will. And when we're in pursuit of the Lord's will, whatever it is, this or that will be things that benefit our life. God only wants us to do things that are in our best interest. If we chase our own pursuits. We actually diminish life. We may find short-term benefit in making a profit, but we miss out on the good life, the full life, when we don't do things according to God's will. James goes on to say, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. Making plans apart from God is arrogant. Thinking that it's all about us, thinking that our plans are important, thinking that our accomplishments are significant, is an arrogance that will actually get in the way of God's intended purposes. When we make our submission to Him and our service to others about us, 
and whether or not we're willing, whether or not we have the time, whether or not it's what we want to do, we're elevating ourselves above God's purposes. That's arrogance. That's an exaggerated sense of self. For some reason, getting what we want is often a reason for us to boast. We want people to hear about our accomplishments and praise us and affirm us and tell us that we did good. But James says that kind of boasting is evil. Earlier, we noticed that James says when we use worldly wisdom to achieve our purposes, that that is demonic. Here he says, achieving those things and then bragging about it is evil. So when we're planning for the future, whether it's the rest of the day, the rest of the week, or the rest of our lives, we have to constantly be asking ourselves, are we following our plans or are we following God's plans? We need to realize that just getting what we want is not a sign that God approves of it. We may have used worldly wisdom and manipulated people and coerced an outcome that God didn't want at all. Just because we achieved it doesn't mean that God wanted it for us. We have to be willing to pursue what the Lord wants us to do, for our choices to be consistent with His plan, and to make sure that the Lord finds pleasure in what we do. Because if we're only worried about our own pleasure, we have to be careful because that is going to put us in conflict with God. It's going to keep us from doing things that he wants us to do. And James closes this section by saying that knowing the right thing to do and not doing it is sin. How many times are we neglecting direct commands of God because they don't fit into our lifestyle? They don't fit into what we want to do. We're afraid that they're going to cut into our money and our possessions and keep us from attaining things that we want. How many times do we refuse to give to the needy, to shelter the homeless, to visit those who are sick and imprisoned, to clothe those who are naked? How many times do we fail to exercise pure and undefiled religion as defined by James, to take care of the widows and orphans, Because we're afraid we just don't have enough resources. There won't be enough left over for us. Not only is that a lack of faith, James says that is sinful. We've gotten good at rationalizing why we neglect the poor, the needy, the marginalized. Why we shun them rather than welcome them in. In the same way James was warning his first readers, we need to hear the warning today and make sure that we're not guilty of willful sin. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.